is the same. Um, demons are subject to us. What volume four? Is that correct? Volume four. Subtitle is the same. Amen. What message do we have? Message number what? Thirteen. Amen. Broken borders part. Part what? Thirteen. Amen. You know what we've been talking about? We've been looking at the truth is that demons are subject to us, and we have been looking at the tr- biblical truths of the nature of evil spirits. Amen. And how you can receive deliverance from their bondage and activity and walk in dominion over them. Under our present uh, volume, we are dealing with broken borders. By broken borders, we are looking at the various sets of unscriptural mindsets or attitudes, unscriptural manner of speech, and unscriptural actions and practices that weaken the spiritual wall of defense that God has surrounded our human personalities with. We do not, we have come to an understanding that every human personality has by the gracious act, creative act of God, been walled off from the activities of evil spirits by an invisible wall of defense. Praise the Lord. Remember the case of Job. Amen? When Satan challenged God and said, no, God challenged Satan and said, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan said to God, didn't you surround him with a hedge? Hallelujah. So there is that invisible hedge around every human personality. But unfortunate truth is that that hedge can be compromised. Hallelujah. Primarily by no other than the very human personality around which it was built for the purpose of protection. Amen. Are we all following? Amen. So we've been looking at the various factors, the various kind of sets of things and that can cause one form of compromise or the other on that wall. And the scripture, there are two scriptures where I'm going to quote one now, is that whosoever breaks the hedge, a serpent will what? Bite. Tonight, we're going to look at, I was going to look at two, but let's see if we can take one. One more activity that can, when abused, can lead to a breaking of the hedge. I'm going to talk about the laying on of hands. The laying on of what? Hands. Praise God. 
Amen. The laying on or imposition of hands upon a soul is an enduring spiritual exercise among God's people. It's an enduring spiritual exercise which can have a life-changing spiritual impact on both the one laying the hands or the one upon whom the hands are laid. I want to put it, say it again. The laying on of hands is an enduring what spiritual exercise which can have a life-changing spiritual impact on both the one laying the hands or the one receiving it. Praise the Lord. One of the things, and, and I want us to understand what the laying hands or, or laying on of hands are, and then we look at how it can be corrupted and be turned into a practice that can compromise the spiritual defense around the human personality. Of course, by laying hands of hands, we mean simply the imposition of the hands of one person upon the body of another. Praise the Lord. First and foremost, for Christians, is a biblical, fundamental biblical truth or doctrine and practice. If you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6, Hebrews chapter 6, I'll read verse 1 to 2. Hebrews 6, 1 to 2. And we will read that. So therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of instruction about washings or baptisms and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Amen? Verse 3. And this we will do if God permits. Okay, let me explain quickly. If you look at verse 1, verse 1 listed six different doctrines or biblical truths which ultimately are also biblical practices that are referred to as fundamental doctrines. These are fundamental doctrines and practices of the Christian church. Our Bible study series was based on that verse. Praise the Lord. That's why everything we did on the Bible study were based on that. And the truth is this. There's, that verse sums up the curriculum that the early Christian church taught every one of its converts and members. Are you all following? And if you look at that list, of these are the basic truths and doctrines that God wants every believer to have a firm grasp of and have under their belt. And if you check what's happening today, those truths 
are the truth that at least 80% or 85 or 90% of modern Christians are most ignorant about. Am I making sense here? All right. And God says, unless the believer gets a good understanding on these truths, he's not entitled to move forward learn other truths. Is that what it says there? Amen. So go back to verse 1 and we look at those doctrines one after the other. Number 1, it said, verse 1, therefore leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity. And what are the elementary truths? Not laying again a foundation. Now, these elementary truths are the foundation truths that every believer must understand, experience, and have under their belt before they move on to understand, quote, higher truths. But what happens today is that people come to church, people get converted, everybody runs to Bible school or to seminary. Or even if they didn't go anywhere in church, they are being taught about big things without having a foundation. Are you following? Now let's look at the list. Number one is what? Repentance. Amen. Repentance must be taught. Number two is what? Um, Repentance from dead works. And number two of what? Faith towards God. Number three, baptisms. Amen. Or washings. Number four, laying on of hands. Number five, the resurrection of the dead. Number six, eternal judgment. I think we've done all of that in the Bible class. Praise the Lord. Amen. These are fundamental Christian teachings. Now, we're looking at number four. So laying on of hands is one of those basic teachings. Amen. And in the Bible, laying on of hands is used for the following purposes. Number one, ordination of ministers. Amen. Number two, impartation of spiritual gifts. Number three, impartation of ministry gifts. Number four, impartation of The grace of healing and deliverance. Number five, impartation of other blessings. Men, praise the Lord. And um, that's about that. Now, sometimes the laying on of hands, most of the time, the laying on of hands is done by the minister, from the minister unto the one being ministered to. But sometimes, especially in the ministry of Jesus and of the early church, it's reverse. Have you read in places where people have to touch Jesus in order to receive healing and deliverance? Or touch Peter and Paul. Is that correct? That's also laying on of hands. So those are biblical cases of laying on of hands. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's look at some scriptures. 
Amen. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 4. 1 Timothy 1 verse 4. Here's what it says. Let me start from verse 3. As I urge you upon my departure for Macedonia, remain, Paul was writing to Timothy, remain on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines, nor to pay attention to myths and endless sorry, doctrines, endless genealogies, which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. Um, hold on a minute. Let's go to chapter 4, actually. Of, is that 1 Timothy, right? Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. I'll, I'll, I'll go, go to verse 14. So do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. The presbytery is elders. When elders or pastors lay hands on you, they can quicken the gifts of the Holy Spirit in you. That's, in that case, it may be used for the impartation of spiritual gifts, which is what we do most of the time here, especially in Pentecost retreats and all that. Are you all hearing me? In the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Go to chapter 5, verse 22. Chapter 5, verse 22. It says, do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily and thereby share responsibility for the sins of others. Keep yourself from sin. Did you see the warning? Huh? Did you see the warning? Yes. Do not lay hands on who? Anyone how? Hastily. Now, the primary reason why Paul made that statement is with the issue of ordination. Are you all following? Our people are going to show up anyhow. Want you to ordain them. The context there is ordination. The moment you ordain anyone to ministry, you are responsible for what that person does. Are you all, are you all hearing me? And Paul says, if you do ordain people left, right, and center, center, you will share in their sin. If, if you have time, you go and study that very, very well. And whoever ordains you to ministry imparts his or her spirit or her life into you. So, those of you who may be attracted somewhere and say, come, let's go. They are ordaining people there. Let's go. They're not. You have to be careful. Are you understanding what I'm saying? All right. So, the primary context there is for what? Ordination. Because it's going to be an impartation of spirit. Paul said somewhere, said somewhere in Thessalonica, in his letter to the Thessalonians, he said, we did not just give you words, but we imparted our lives unto you. So laying on of hands is symbolic 
of the impartation of someone's life and ministry over you. Impartation of authority, spiritual gifts, and then healing and deliverance. Now, even though that's primarily spoken of about ordination, it also applies to praying over people or having people pray over you. There's a connection through the laying on of hands. Are you all following? And in many cases, it's not every kind of prayer for healing that you lay hands on people or deliverance that you lay hands on people. And if you will, it's not always the beginning step. Are you all following? These are things I don't think I have emphasized very of, uh, much lately. But this is, I used to emphasize them a lot before. So, and it's, it turns out today that one of the things the enemy has corrupted in Christianity today is the act of laying on of hands. Especially with the infiltration of many people in ministry whose theological and spiritual origins you cannot account for. It is much more dangerous now having strangers laying hands on you. Are you all following? Because a lot of people out there, no one accounts for them. No one knows where they're coming from. And they are very quick to lay hands on people for every purpose, for ordination, for prayer, for healing, for prayer, for deliverance. That's number one. Usually, when the laying on of hands is done, there is a kind of either an imposition of spirit or activation of a spirit that's either in them or in you. And it better be the Holy Spirit. You saw what Peter wrote, Paul wrote to Timothy. Say, stir up the gifts that we are aware in you that came upon you by the laying on of hands by the elders, the presbytery. This is not a, a teaching, a full teaching on the laying on of hands that we can have some other times. Now, so laying on of hands can be a channel. It can be a means by which the spiritual wall of protection around you can be compromised. And therefore, create room for the invasion of demons. I'm even talking about regular, what looks like the normal laying on of hands. Is the normal act is one thing, the person involved is another. Now, another level, there, there are other levels. Other levels that there are ways that people lay hands on people today that are not biblical. Praise the Lord. One of the ways is an Eastern technique whereby when they're laying their hands, if they put their hands away, it doesn't mean that anybody that puts their hands away from you. But they put it away and do some motions. They believe they're creating an energy field. They have terminologies that go with that. They're talking about releasing energy. Whenever you're in this realm of spiritual ministry, you keep start hearing energy, certain words. You have to look for the exit door. Amen? So they do that. They say they're releasing energy, spiritual energy, or Kai, K-A-I. And other, they may not say it to you, but you watch what they're doing. 
sometimes they make some motions. There are some of them, when they are praying for you, when they make their hands and their self over there, and you go in that direction. And they do it in that way. Go over there. At that time, things have got to a different level. Are you following? These things happen. You see a lot of them on TV. They are releasing something else that has no bearing with the Holy Spirit. A lot of these are techniques from shamanism and Eastern religious practices. The other way they lay hands on something like that's not what Jesus did. And that, watch these things on TV, on Facebook, whichever thing you watch. All kinds of things. I can only demonstrate a few I've seen. These things have nothing to do with biblical revelation. Do things happen when that happens? Yes. And you know what the modern Christian is focused on today is what happens. Magicians do lay hands and stuff do happen. Are you all following? And people shouldn't be tapping you. I told you about cases where they tap people and they developed hematomas all over the place. That is not biblical. So we can go on and on and on. Is that all right? Huh? So you understand how laying on of hands can do that. First one is that it could be what apparently is a normal laying on of hands. But you have to go beyond the way it's done to the person doing it. Are you all it? Amen? Every minister has the spirit is working with. And you have to be careful. You have to know people. And uh, in this congregation, if you notice, I am very careful inviting guest speakers. And that's one of my concerns. I want to know who's coming. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you all following? All right. Uh, so, but people do come. And we are human. We will not be able to serve effectively as a gatekeeper for everything. Do you understand what I'm saying? But at the same time, you have to open your eyes and pay attention. And when people come here and ministering, I pay attention. That's not the time I want people to be calling me. I want to see what is happening. Are you all following? And I monitor. I listen to them and I see what they're doing. Praise the Lord. And then, beyond the, what appears to be the normal, there are the unscriptural, unbiblical, Amen? And so on and so forth. So, we're talking about laying hands on the hands. And when you hear about touch, touch techniques, that's another thing you have to be careful about. Laying on of hands is not a touch technique. Touch technique has to do with Eastern uh, uh, religious practices, the New Age movement, and all that. Amen? Let, let me take one more thing that could compromise your spiritual wall of defense. One more, and then we go into prayer. Is that okay? The next thing is overindulgence in natural appetites. What did I say? Over what? Indulgence in what? Natural appetites. That can also compromise the spiritual wall of defense that God has surrounded your personality with. And bear in mind here, I'm talking about natural appetites. 
By natural appetite, I mean any kind of food or drink or value or habit or hobby, praise the Lord, that is not by itself sinful and as a matter of fact that is endorsed by scripture or at the minimum, scripture does not forbid it. Can I say that again? By natural appetite, I'm referring to any or every kind of food or drink or edible material or values. By values, I mean things like, you know, your interests in life or hobbies or interests such as sports that you are following. Um, at anything that is by its nature not sinful, at the minimum is just secular, and also by its nature it is not unscriptural, or at the minimum it is not forbidden by scripture. As natural as good as that can be. Hallelujah. And you can get overindulged in it. And then it may create an opening for demons to invade, invade your life. Are you, are you a following? Nothing wrong with those things, but overindulgence in them can be a source of demonic oppression. Am I making sense to you? Praise the Lord. I say praise the Lord. All right. Amen. Um... Let's, and these things by themselves, like I said, they are not sinful, and that means by themselves also they may not be what addictive. But your overindulgence over, uh, uh, in them suggests a demonic activity. What is wrong is your overindulgence in them. That may be a demonic activity right there. Hallelujah. And you say, what's the problem with it? The reason why it can suggest a demonic activity is that, number one, they may be good or natural, but they are not expedient or profitable when you want them. To be expedient means... Expediency means the quality of, of being advantageous or advisable. Hallelujah. It's something that is expedient means it is what? Advantageous or suitable for the present purpose. If it's not expedient, it means it's not suitable for the present purpose, and therefore it's not advisable for you to be indulged in it at that time. Are you following? Amen? That's the first problem. The second problem is that if it's not expedient at certain times and you still find yourself in doing them, then it means that you are now subjected under a power behind that thing. Am I making sense? Huh? Okay. If it's not expedient at certain times, but you find that you cannot do without it, 
then there is a power behind that thing. And you are in subjection to that power. And anything that is of a power that can subject you under such conditions is not the Holy Spirit. I will tell you what the Holy Spirit does. What do you know the Holy Spirit for when it comes to being able to resist something? I will tell you one word, temperance. Are you following? What is the word? Temperance. What's another word for temperance? A compound word, self-control. So anything, no matter how good it is, that makes you lose your self-control. Hallelujah. It's an instrument in the hand of the devil. And demons can use them to invade you. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Quickly. Hallelujah. Are you there? Verse 12. Verse 12, quickly. Is it first or second? I think it's first Corinthians. Can you go to first Corinthians? Is it 11? Second Corinthians 6 verse what? 12, sorry, 12. Second Corinthians 6, 12. Is that Second Corinthians 6, 12? Verse 12. Yeah, no, that, 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 that's not what I'm looking for. Amen? I think it's, let's try First Corinthians 6. Yeah, 612. First Corinthians 612. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. That's the New American Standard Version. Not all things are what? Expedient. Is that correct? Huh? Now, that's the first, the guiding principle there. All things are what? Lawful for me. But not all things that are lawful for me are what? Profitable. Now watch the next line. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by what? Anything. The King James says, but I will not be brought under the power of any. The only thing that God had ordained that will master you is the Holy Spirit. Is that correct? If at any time, anything other than the Holy Spirit begins to exercise control over you, immediately you know that that thing is a demon. Is it clear enough? If you go to the next verse, he uses an example. And what's his example? Food. Is food food devilish? Okay. All right. Food is good. Sister... Marvelly would have sued you before morning. She was getting ready to call her lawyer on you. Amen. Are you, are you all following what I'm saying? Food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food. But God will do away with both of them. Take, for instance, if you want to fast, 
And immediately, food starts telling you, you can't do without me. You're under the master of food. The master of food. And there's a demon there. It's a demon of gluttony. Did you understand what I'm saying? And the reason why many Christians cannot fast today is that a demon at work in their life is called the demon of gluttony. In fact, I wonder if they start fasting or fighting and they see food. Immediately they call the fast off. Because at that time their body say you can't go without this food. Even if it's going to be some of them, if it's going to be a three-day fast, they are putting the food in their pocket for three days after. I know some of you are here. Are you following what I'm saying? So that's a problem. It can be anything that is good. And the people come under the master of it. And sometimes they brag about it. You know, I can't do without. Anything you can do without. It could be sleep. Some people can say, I can't do without my sleep, my eight hours. I'm just telling you, a lot of us express demonic activity. We confess demonic bondage without knowing it. I can't do without my afternoon nap. Have you wondered why some people, you can preach about all night all you want. As if some people are going there looking at their bed. How well made it is. And they are going. They are hitting the door. They are asking, why does pastor always call for all night prayer meeting? And when they come here, say, well, I'm going to get my sleep anyhow. No, but do you understand the point I'm making? It could be anything. It could be sports. There are people who will not be able to come to church because their favorite sports team is playing. Is sports by itself sinful? No. It's watching TV sports program with sinful, no. But if he has mastery over you to make you to give up on more important things, you're under demonic oppression. Am I making sense here? Remember the story a, 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 a Spanish brother told me. I went to service my car. And it was the, the driver that gives you a ride if you they couldn't give you a loaner. And then he happens to be a Christian and discovered I'm a pastor. We started talking about people's uh, sloppiness with the things of God these days. He said, in their church, there are these men. In the morning, they cannot wake up and come to church. They tell their children, their, their mothers, you go to church, I can't wake up. I'm tired from walking. I can't, I can't get up this morning to go to church. I'll go next time. The little boy and the mom went to church. And church ended up in two hours. By the time they are coming up, the little boy saw the father sitting at the edge of the bed, screaming, Junkie! Junkie, go! Go, Junkie! Go, Junkie! Go, Junkie! Go, Junkie! Junkie, go! Go! Say, but Daddy, you say you were tired. You know what Yankee is? Yankee. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Those of us here, there are things that we see we come alive. Some of us are moody when it's church time. 
It's demonic. It is demonic. People loving the comfort of their home because it's where that has changed. It is demonic. And I'm, I'm just giving you examples here. Are you all following? Uh, okay, you didn't like that, so the yes was cold. Praise the Lord. Don't worry, when I catch you, you scream, Junkie, go, Junkie. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 12, quickly. Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we have a great, so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every what? Every what? Wait. The New American Standard says encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In order to run the race the way Jesus ran, two things you must do. Did you notice that? You must lay aside two things. Did you notice? Lay who? Aside. You notice there that it was not the Holy Spirit to lay it aside for you. It's your believing. You, it's an action. Is that correct? Laying aside is not talk. It's an action. It's a believing act of taking certain things in your life and dumb them. And there are two categories of things. Did you see the two categories of things there? Huh? What's category one? Weights. Category two. Sins. Are they the same? Have you noticed they are not the same? The sins are clear. Is that correct? They are by themselves sinful what? Acts. They don't even belong among us. Praise the Lord. Amen. But there's another category of things. That though they are not sinful, but they are called weights. Come on, praise the Lord. The New American Standard calls it encumbrance. I wish we have time to look at the dictionary for that. A lot of us are saved and sanctified from what is clearly sinful, but we are carrying a lot of non-sinful. Come on interests and values that are known as weights. Hindrances. Obstruct. Come on, I didn't know you guys can, can help me here. Do you understand what I'm saying? And every such hindrance or weight comes as much demons as clearly known sins do. In fact, if you don't lay them aside quickly, Sins will come over you, over them, and overwhelm you with them. Eating, drinking, sleeping, sports, schooling. Some people come to this country, they never settle down. Because they're going from one master's to the other. They already have two masters. They can't come to church every time I have a project to write. They're on their third master. Are you all following what I'm saying? Sometimes walk. Is walk evil? No, it's to be encouraged. Are you all hearing me? Huh? 
Now, I, I cannot begin to enumerate many, many ways. Some ways may just be your preferences. There are people who don't believe you should show up in church after Sunday. That's a weight. People have their own definitions of Christianity. That's a weight. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hallelujah. People get into relationships they have no business with. Some of those relationships are outrightly sinful. Some others are weights on you. There are marriages you get into. You've just put your head on their weight. And you'll be praying forever for God to remove it. And he will not. Sorry, you don't like this one. Are you a following? Huh? There are choices you make in life that will be weights. And let me tell you, every one of those weights can release demons against you. And what did I tell you is the standard of the Holy Spirit. Now, remember, anything that is, even though it's good, what brings you under his power is demonic. God has designed us in such a way that nothing other than the Holy Spirit will have any claim of authority over us. Even the Holy Spirit. Amen? And the Holy Spirit has a standard for us in terms of how we pursue things. Secular good things. The Holy Spirit has one principle. Galatians 5, verse 23. Quickly. Galatians 5, verse 23. I've, I've mentioned it before. Let me say it again and we pray. Amen? Quickly. Galatians 5. Are you there? Verse 23. 23. You, in, in that part, portion of Galatians, you have a list of, there are two different lists. One is known as the fruit of the Spirit. The other is the works of the flesh. We're looking at the fruit of the Spirit. Go to verse 22. Verse 22. 22. Okay. But the fruit of the Spirit is, remember fruit one. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience is ninefold, but one fruit, but ninefold aspects. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, next, 23, gentleness, self-control. The King James calls it what? Temperance. That's what he says about them. Against such things, there is no law. When you're under self-control, you will never break any law. No law will come under. Take, for instance, in driving. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. In driving, if you're under self-control, law enforcement will have no problem with it. If you're under self-control and stay within the speed limit, it's when you lose control. Forget where you are. Are you on the highway? And the, the, the steering wheel and the gas pedal, you know, what they call heavy foot. Develop a heavy foot. Then you, you lose self-control. You may have problem with it. Are you a follower? Amen. When you eat within limit, you have less stomach upsets. 
Amen? And it's two ways. If you don't eat at, at all, all day, even in fasting, you are supposed to be, even when doing certain things that are of God, you have to know what? Self-control. Are you following what I'm saying? That is of the Holy Spirit. So I think you understand this, that there are things in your life you have to sit down now and say, wait a minute, even though this is good, and this is natural appetite, does it have control over me? Can I turn off anytime I want to turn off? Praise the Lord. I say, praise the Lord. Amen. And if you can do that, you can withstand any evil spirit that the enemy will want to use to control your life. Shall we rise? Shall we rise? Amen.